Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. All right, folks, we are back. It is fight night. UFC coming on board later tonight. UFC 285, the return of John Bones Jones. I mean, there was quite some time where I never thought this was actually going to happen again. I mean, given the friction between Joe, uh, Jones and Dana White, I I was honestly thinking that we were never going to see John Jones in the UFC ever again. But here we are. We got John Jones, the former light heavyweight champion, the pound for pound number one fighter in UFC history, returning at heavyweight and battling for the interim heavyweight title against Cyril Gan. You know, for those who don't recall, Francis Ngannou, the reigning UFC heavyweight champ, could not come to an agreement on his contract with the UFC, and he left. You know, the UFC had no choice. They tr- they tried everything to hold Ngannou to his contract, um, and Ngannou was having none of it. He played out the string. He beat uh, Gan uh, to defend his belt, and then he walked away. And Ngannou is likely to get a significant pay bump and try his hand at boxing, whether it's against... Uh, Tyson Fury, I mean, we, we've heard a number of, uh, names, uh, thrown out there, but, uh, Fury is the, uh, most likely scenario, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kinda, it's kinda weird because, uh, you know, <laughs> who, who, do, who knows, because Deontay Wilder wants to fight him, I mean, you, you definitely have, uh, options available and you know they're probably gonna have to uh they're probably gonna have to uh come up come up with uh uh they're probably gonna have to come up with some uh some uh <laughs> like some uh attributes because i just don't see how nganu can box <laughs> like i i really don't and like as strong as he is you know, there's a difference between UFC boxing and heavy and boxing boxing, and the reason why you can't do boxing boxing in uh, the UFC is because 
you're always at risk of getting taken down. There's no way you could be having a set base and box. We'll see if Francis can do it. And like, you know, when he puts his mind to it, but uh, I think it's going to be kind of gimmicky matches for Ngana, but he's going to get paid way more than he ever would have uh, under Dana White. Like, to me, that's just the way it is. But without much further ado, yeah, we'll, we'll get to Jones versus Gone in the uh, uh, five-round fight, uh, title fight to close out the night. So we'll start off with the undercard because uh, this is probably the biggest pay-per-view for the UFC thus far this year. And it's a, it's a pretty stacked card. So I'm just going to get a couple of these prelim fights out of the way just because from a DFS standpoint – um, I'm just going to tell you guys where I'm leaning towards, um, and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, uh, so starting off, we got, uh, uh, Loic Razabahov, uh, versus Esteban Rabovic. uh, Rabazovov is a minus 250 favorite, uh, 9k on DraftKings, 18 bucks on FanDuel, uh, Rabovic. Seventy two hundred on DraftKings, twelve dollars on FanDuel uh, at plus two hundred. This is minus one sixty three to finish inside the distance, and uh, you got Rabazov, who's a last minute substitute, um, coming in. Both of these guys are uh, new to the UFC. You know, looking at the tape, yeah, Robovic's like hasn't necessarily fought the best competition. But looking at uh, at one fifty five, it's not as though these guys look as though that they're like tremendous grapplers. I'm not entirely sold on uh, the line here. I think Robovic actually has a decent shot, and as we'll kind of get to, there are a number of large favorites on this card that I kind of want to get exposure to. I I'm pretty much going to be on Robovic, and. You know, it could be the wrong way to start off the night and kind of kill my night, but I do think with some of the larger favorites that I'm going to be on uh, this card, you know, even if he doesn't come through and some of the other dogs I have don't come through, I think it'll still be a solid cash night because I, I do think we're going to see some big scores from some of the big favorites that can wrestle. And... Uh, so for for the underdogs, I kind of want the underdogs who can either wrestle or have shown good power. And Robovix, uh, you know, he's uh, he's eleven and zero, six wins by KO, five by submission. All I need is, uh, you know, all I need is just to be able to see him in his stand up to know that he's probably the best stand up guy Razabov has ever fought because. Watching watching his fights in the PFL, uh, Ratzabazov, I'm not I'm not sold on it. So, you know, yeah, I like this to finish inside the distance. I'll be betting that um, on the DFS side. I'll be having exposures on Robovix, but I don't see this fight going to distance. So, um, to start off the night, we we could have a decent score here, um, but I think it's Robovix. So I'm going to be on that side of the fight. Ratzabazov, nine um, K. Yeah, he could wrestle, and if he wrestles well enough, then yeah, it it could pose an issue because of some of the other wrestlers I've got in mind here. But uh, I I think uh, Tabata Ricci is a better fit at 8,900 on the wrestling side than Ratzabov that I've seen from his tape in the PFL. So that's where I'm going. Next up, 
Fareed Basarat versus Damon Blackshear. Uh, Basarat is uh, a minus 450 favorite. 9100 on DraftKings. Again, the pricing on DraftKings. Uh, you could go to Basarat instead of Ratzabov if you really wanted to at 135. This is plus. Uh, this is even money to finish inside a distance. And uh, Blackshear 7100 on DraftKings plus 350. I like Blackshear as well. Again, uh, Fareed Basarat is the brother of Javid. Uh, Javid. Uh, a very good uh, prospect in the UFC. Fareed is also expected to be a solid, uh, solid fighter. Not on the same level. Uh, he's fourteen and zero, only one KO, and he has five wins by submission. But again, he doesn't finish a lot of guys. So it seems as though you know he's decent enough at takedown defense. But we haven't seen him fight in the UFC. At least with Blackshear, we've seen uh, Blackshear uh, come in, and he fought on short notice against Yusef Zalal, and I was on Zalal. And I thought Zalal was going to have a good good night wrestling, and Blackshear uh, quickly dispelled that notion. Uh, uh, Blackshear can wrestle. So, if you're giving me a, a chance to, uh, to have a wrestler, I'm going to take the wrestler. To, that's that's the way I kind of look at this. I like the wrestler um, here. I'm going to have lineups with Blackshear in lieu of Robovix uh, with some of the other fighters I've got. So, to me, I I am definitely in favor of uh, so, some of the builds that I'm, I'm going to be rolling out with. Because, uh, again, as I said... I think there are dogs on this card that have very real ability to win fights that I don't think the public's necessarily on uh, uh, this week. So from my perspective, this kind of comes down to what you're looking to do. And I'm looking to get like a couple of decent dogs with a shot. Blackshear's one of them. And ride those dogs because... Again, I, I think you're going to need some big scores uh, to ship a slate here. And there's only there's only a couple of uh, mid, mid-table mid uh, folks that I think have great opportunities to uh, pull off the upset. So I wouldn't necessarily uh, be as locked in on building out just a balanced, uh, balanced uh, roster from a DFS standpoint. So... Uh, definitely going to have exposure to Blackshear. Uh, next up, top of the Ricci versus Penne. Ricci's one of my favorite uh, fighters of the night. Um, this was supposed to happen back in October, and Penne pulled out due to illness and pissed me off because it almost ruined my entire fight build-out because I expected Ricci to dominate this girl. I think this is going to be the come up. It's Ricci's going to ragdoll this girl. Um... And women's strawweight, Tabata Ricci likes uh, likes using her judo, get, getting uh, the fight to the mat. I do not see where Jessica Penne at 39 years old is uh, gonna be able to ha- hang with Ricci. Ricci is better on the feet, and she's a better wrestler. I think she's gonna ragdoll this girl. She's 8900 and a minus 300 favorite. 
it's only plus 200 to finish inside the distance. And that's not the worst thing in the world because I think Richie's going to control her for over 10 minutes on the mat and just keep punching her in the face. And that could score very well enough to be optimal. So to me, I <laughs> like I I don't think there's much else to say. Like if Richie loses, I'm gonna have a bad night. But I I don't see where Penne does anything to trouble Richie. I think Richie destroys this girl and it's pretty much a wrap. So that's the way I'm leaning. Uh, not much else to say about uh <laughs> the fight <laughs> other than that. And we're gonna take a Short break, listen to some sponsors, and I'll come back with uh, the rest of my take. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. We are back, and we got an interesting one in Cameron Simon, 8,800, coming up against Mana Martinez. Simon is uh, the young prospect from South Africa. Uh, they're looking to hype up. Uh, there will also be Drikas Duplass uh, coming up uh, in a couple of fights uh, that uh, they're also trying to hype up. I'm higher on Saman than I am on Dupless. I'll get into it. Saman, basically, he has, uh, you know, he he has, uh, you know, a lot of talent, but is pretty open and reckless with his striking. But at least his cardio holds up. So even though uh, his takedown defense isn't the best, even though his striking is a little bit wild, he committed multiple fouls in his fight uh, against Kozlov, you know, I, I think it's a case where Mana Martinez is actually live as an underdog at 7,400, but I'm not a big Mana Martinez fan. Uh, I also think he can get a little wild and reckless, and he doesn't necessarily use defense um, the way that he should. So to me, this is a case where I think the better striker wins, but... Uh, this I, I do think this is a case where Saman uh, could get himself into a tight situation where it's going to come down to the third round to kind of decide it. But I do think that Saman also has, uh, just with his leg kicks, a way of stopping this fight early because he does like to hide, uh, hide certain kicks. And if he can land a high kick on Mono Martinez and catch him, he can put them out early. So, to me, I will still have exposure to Saman. I'm not on Duplass. I'll get into the reasons why. Um, but, uh, to me, uh, this is not a, a fight to go crazy over. I do think, uh, you know, from a scoring standpoint, um, Saman, 
definitely has potential to come in under 100, but I do think he is likely scoring over 100, so I'm going to be more exposed to him than I am to Ian Gary or uh, Duplass. So, um, you know, that's where I'm I'm at with the fight. Next up, uh, the aforementioned Ian Gary, 9,300 on DraftKings, 21 on FanDuel, minus 800 uh, to win against Song Kanan. Ian Gary's, <sighs> I'm telling you, this guy keeps getting clipped in his fights, and sooner or later the UFC is going to put him against someone who's actually good, and this guy's going to get knocked out. I, I am waiting for the day he gets put in against a good fighter and seeing uh, if the hype machine can keep him uh, as a significant favorite because I'm waiting for that day because I'm pulling the trigger on the other dude. Song Kanan, you know, journeyman level talent at best. I just don't see it being this being the spot where he gets uh, his lights put out. Um, Kanan, more of a counterpuncher. Yeah, could he catch him on the button? Possible. It's possible, but it's not one where I'm necessarily actively uh, betting for that scenario because I think uh, in this case, you know, you need Kanan to knock out Ian Gary. I don't think he's winning by a decision because he's not a wrestler. And from a volume standpoint, I still think Ian Gary is going to put out more volume so that even in a decision, the judges are going to look at the total strikes and total strikes landed. It's going to be all in favor of Ian Gary. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I, like From a DFS perspective, I just think he's going to be too expensive. I like Ricci way more. Again, I told you guys, the wrestling, I, I think is going to be key on this card. And I'd even play Razabov um, ahead of Ian Gary. I, I just don't like Ian Gary in this spot just because I, I, you know, he doesn't go all out blitzing, but he still gets caught, which is almost worse because usually if a guy's all out blitzing and they're just knocking people out left and right, um, you just say it's the reckless out. Ian Gary's open, but he thinks he's a technical fighter. He's really not. He leaves a lot of holes, and sooner or later, I think he's going to get uh, knocked out. It's just not this fight. Next up, Mark Andre Barrio and Julia Marquez. This is a fight that's going to have me really worried. I'm hoping that they just stand and trade for 15 minutes and Marquez doesn't get too excited. Marquez does not have a great gas tank. Um, Burial is 8,200. Marquez is 8K. This is almost a pick em fight. Burial is a slight favorite at minus 150. Uh, Marquez coming in at around uh, plus 130. It's a tight fight, but... This is a fight that can go south very quickly because I know Julian Marquez, when he gets excited and he just starts throwing a ton of volume, he just gasses himself out and he never recovers. And if he never recovers, Barrio is going to blitz this dude and put up a monster score on DraftKings. So to me, this is a fight where I don't necessarily want to bank on a guy gassing himself out. But I am going to have some shares of Barrio um, just in case. And probably some shares of Marquez too in case he does actually get the knockout. Because that's the only way Marquez is going to win. Um, he's going to have to knock out Barrio. Barrio could um, uh, win by KO. He can win by submission. Uh, it's really going to depend on how 
uh, how much in the tank Marquez has uh, in the fight. Because if he gets excited, this could get into a tricky situation where he burns himself out. And then the second and third round, you're looking around hoping uh, he gets a second win that will probably never come. Uh, so very skittish on this fight from a DFS perspective. Uh, my money would be on uh, Barriolt. And I probably say uh, you can bet on the finish coming in second and third round. I don't see Barrio knocking him out in the first. I think Marquez will be stronger there. I think he'll have a solid first round. And then you could probably live bet Barrio. But, yeah, it's it's a tight one. It, it, I, I'm not going to lie. I think there's a, a interesting bout uh, just from a game theory perspective where you got one guy whose gas tank could go out completely, um, and you kind of go from there. Uh, next up, uh, uh, in the women's uh, st- uh, flyweight division, Amanda Rebos versus Vivian Arujo. Um, tightest matchup on the card. Uh, Rebos, uh, minus 120 favorite. Uh, Arujo um, coming in at even money. Um, this is plus 160 to go to distance. I think it does go to the distance. I think... You know, Rebus uh, can wrestle and get this to the ground, but she doesn't necessarily opt for that all the time. So uh, we could find ourselves in a situation where um, they kind of stand and trade and, you know, they are up against the fence clinching and burning a lot of clock. I I just don't want to have exposure to this fight. Uh, So I'm going to just take a pass in general. I think it can go either way, uh, depending on who gets a, a takedown. But... Yeah, I mean, that's that's about it. I just don't see a decisive finish coming out of this one. So, could be wrong, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, the, their price range is right in the same range as uh, Barriott and Marquez. You know, I'm just hoping that some of this mid-tier uh, options uh, kind of bust. And uh, we go from there. Uh, but, uh, because I, I do think we see some monster scores with uh, some of these other fights uh, coming in. Next up. This is going to make or break uh, my slate. Drikas Duplass versus Derek Brunson. Duplass, 8,700, a minus 250 favorite. Brunson, 7,500 on DraftKings and a plus 200 underdog. Listen, both of these guys' cardio sucks. It absolutely sucks on both sides. The only thing is Duplass's cardio is even worse than Brunson's. And Brunson at least has the excuse of being 39. Duplass is supposed to be... Uh, heading into the prime of his career in his mid-20s, and he still can't go one round without completely blowing himself up and being uh, deprived of oxygen. Uh, As long as Derek Brunson gets this fight to the ground in the second round, he's going to win this um, very easily. The only problem with Derek Brunson is, again, he's 39, and the cardio just isn't there along with his chin. If he gets clipped early, the fight could be over. But if he survives some scrambles, this fight is his to lose. I, I think Duplass is going to gas out, and I think uh, Brunson is going to take over and dominate the fight. I, I to me, this is my upset pick is Brunson. I don't, I'm not a fan of like the underdogs on this card, so I really do want to get a dog in here, and I think Brunson is the dog, and I'll be heavily exposed to Brunson if it doesn't work out. I don't think it'll necessarily end my night because. I think a lot of these uh, favorites are going to win, um, but I'm very curious to see how the ownership goes because I think Duplass is going to garner a lot of ownership just because of Brunson's uh, 
recent losses where he's just gotten knocked out because of the the questionable chin at this stage of his career. So, and looking possibly at retirement. So, uh, to me, uh, I know the field's going to be depressed, but I do think um, Brunson is more than live as a dog. And from a game theory perspective, I like the advantages it presents to me uh, over other options. This is minus 275 to finish inside the distance. I, I think you can live bet this one after the first round in favor of Brunson and kind of go from there, or g- just gauge if both guys are gassed, then you can definitely just <laughs> pick and choose whoever's got the wider line uh, of as a dog and just go there because, uh, again, it, all it takes is one person to slip up and uh, with their uh, their gas tanks, and the fight's going to be over. They're not going to get back up. So that's all I got for that fight, and, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to keep moving on with the card. All right, moving on, we've got... A match that I have no interest in whatsoever. We've got Cody Garbrandt against Trevin Jones. Okay, I'm just going to keep it short and simple. The inside of distance is minus 250. I don't understand why. Because nothing that Cody Garbrandt has shown me has shown that he's even remotely looking as though he's going to be a killer anymore in the UFC. He's... I don't know. I just, I, I, I don't like. I don't. I don't get this. Like basically, you know. I know Cody has no chin, but and that's the nickname is like. Uh, it's like his nickname is No Love, and uh, people started mocking him, calling him uh, Cody No Chin. But Gar uh, Garbrandt it, it doesn't isn't really looking to throw a ton for a ton of power. He's also trying to avoid getting hit because of the chin. And Trevor Jones just doesn't throw volume. I think this is going to be the worst fight of the night. I don't think either guy does anything. And they're going to be poking at each other for 15 minutes. And Garbrandt's going to get a decision. And everyone's going to be miserable as to why this uh, this fight was even made. I, I Again, I'm just going to move past it. Because I don't see anything redeemable value of this. Other than be- betting this goes to a decision where you're going to get a uh, plus uh, uh, plus 200. I, you know, I honestly don't see any, um, I, I don't see why this is going to extend further. Right? It, to me, this is a, a fa- the fate of the night. I, I, I don't, I, I don't get it. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to get it. Uh, I just think this is a no brainer fade and we move on. Um, next up, we get, we got a, a complete mismatch. Bo Nikau, um, the rookie uh, all-American wrestler making his UFC debut on the main card on pay-per-view, and the UFC's trying to hype this dude for a reason uh, because uh, he's going to be a problem at 185 pounds. Um, so, you know, Cody Garbrandt. I mean, that Colby uh, <laughs> Covington is going to have issues with Bo Nicol, uh somewhere down the line. I don't know when those two are going to fight, but at a certain point. Uh, this dude's uh, when because uh, I I can't see Kobe Covington staying at 170, um, given some of the the monsters at 170, he's gonna come up to 185 at some point, and when he does, he's gonna run into Bo Nicol. Uh, I you know <laughs> like like maybe Kobe is gonna be uh, busy su- too busy suing Masvidal to care about UFC money, but. Um, 
Bonacal, straight up beast wrestling. He's going to steamroll Jamie Pickett. Um, this is minus 1,000 to finish inside the distance. He's a minus 2,000 favorite. You can't bet this fight. I don't see anything Jamie Pickett does that would remotely give me any. Like, you could, sometimes you could bet a dog at pl- a plus 1,000 and say, yeah, there's always a chance. Uh, the, the UFC made this matchup for a reason. They know Jamie Pickett is the perfect opponent for him to steamroll and look impressive for the fans. I want no part of this fight whatsoever. Um, from a dog perspective, so I'm just passing on this entirely. There's there's nothing I see that is remotely enticing from a betting perspective, so we'll just move on. Next up, uh, Mateus Gamrat versus Jalen Turner. Uh, Gamrat, 8,600. Oh, I should say uh, Bo Nicole is 9,600. Uh, at the price tag, I, I I don't, I you know, could you play him? Yes. Am I playing a ton of them? Absolutely not, because it's really hard to justify that price tag. And given that we have so many fights on this card, I think we can get there elsewhere. And there's a chance that Nikal can't outscore some of the other folks that you'll be able to make combinations with um, unless uh, you get multiple underdogs winning. And that That's the only way I see Nikal, uh, Bo Nikal being on the winner from an optimal standpoint. Next up, Gamrot versus Jalen Turner. Uh, I'm going to say this again. Uh, another fight where I think it's a clear decision. Um, inside the distance is minus 175, which I don't get. I think this goes to a decision. I think it's a Gamrot win where he just wrestles and just tries to control position. He doesn't do anything amazingly spectacular. It's just kind of, yeah, he's there. He won. Whatever. I, I think Gamrot just wrestles and, you know, just... He, he's on him like glue, and that's it. Like, I don't see anything from Jalen Turner that thinks uh, that makes me think that Gamrot's going to have a big uh, trouble. And Gamrot just isn't a flashy fighter where he's going to take any risks. So, uh, to me, Gamrot, um, by decision, is to play here. Um, he's minus 210 to win, but uh, he's uh, also going to be minus, uh, uh, almost uh, minus 130 to win by decision. Um, I'd rather just take Gamrot by decision. I don't see him finishing Jalen Turner. Uh, I think he just uh, gets the decision, and, and we move on from there. Next up, we've got Shafkov, uh Rachmanov versus Jeff Neal. Whew. Um, I like Jeff Neal, and, you know, he's a good fighter. And he's plus 400 as an underdog, and I still think that's not enough to get me to even remotely think about betting uh, Jeff Neal. Uh, Rachmanov is just an, another beast at welterweight at 170, and part of the reason why I think Kobe Covington is moving up to 185 sooner than later is that sooner or later he's going to have to face Rachmanov, or he's going to have to face Jemayev, and I don't think it works out well either way <laughs> Like for him. Uh, facing those dudes, so I think moving up to 185 makes the most sense where he can um, hide <laughs> behind other fighters because when you're at the top of 170 and uh, you can't beat Usman and you're hoping Leon Edwards wins, but then again, you've got Rachmanov and Chimaev waiting in the wind, uh, wings. Uh, I, I don't I don't see how this is going to work. So, to me, um, Jeff Neal, good fighter. Uh, can he get this to a decision? Yeah, it's minus 250 to finish inside a distance, 
but there's a chance uh, Neil survives and and gets it uh, gets it done. But uh, you know, it'll be one of those weird decisions. Is the only way I could see this possibly uh, possibly working um, working out. So from my standpoint, um, you know, it, it's. It's a possibility, but uh, I think Rachmanov, um there's a real chance Rachmanov gets the finish. It wouldn't shock me. It's minus 150 to, to finish inside the distance. Um, it's just one of those fights where, again, I like Jeff Neal, but this is a terrible mit- matchup. Um, the only way to play Jeff Neal at 70, uh, 7K on DraftKings is if you're playing 150 lineups. Yeah, there's a combination where he can end up there. I just, I don't see it, though. I, I really don't. It would take, you know, one lucky, like, I don't want to say lucky because, like, he is a skilled fighter. But, man, it's going to take some type of fluke uh, fluke uh, exchange of blows to uh, make a difference here. I, I think Rachmanov all day here. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, but uh, 9,200 with the takedowns and potential that Rachmanov has, he could easily be up there. But I, again, I'll keep saying this. I like Ricci over most of these 9K fighters. I, I, I'm just going to be honest. I, I think uh, she has the easiest matchup out of all these 9K fighters. And uh, we kind of go from there. Um, next up, Valentina Shevchenko defending her title against Alexa Grasso at flyweight. Uh you know, here's the thing. Valentina has been dominant in that division for so long and has been so excellent. I mean, the only person who's beaten her is Amanda Nunes. And again, it's uh, it, it's one of those uh, areas where, you know, it's hard to see where, uh, it's hard to really see where Valentina has a disadvantage, but the only thing I'll say is that from time to time, we've seen this with championship fighters, when they're so dominant, eventually that complacency sets in. And so, while I don't necessarily see Grasso being able to do anything of particular note from a striking perspective, I mean, it's not as though she she's inept at striking, uh, but, you know, as I've said before, in, in the women's MMA, you know, you could just get a night where someone has a little slightly sharper striking, and then it kind of comes down to, uh, is there a way for Grasso to somehow outpoint uh, Valentina and get a couple of takedowns um, and steal a round or two, and then it comes down to a fifth round where you know, anything goes, and, like, you know, maybe, maybe like, the judges think she did enough. You know, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world. So, uh, I just, you know, Valentina is minus 700. You can't bet that. Uh, this is minus 175 to finish inside the distance, and most of that is just tied to Valentina being minus 138 to finish. Um, Grasso is uh, plus 450, Plus twelve hundred to finish inside the distance. Uh, to me, I just look at this from the standpoint of, uh, you know, n- 
like the odds are not giving Grasso that much of a chance. I definitely think she's in play from a DFS standpoint because uh, out of the dogs, I think she has the best chance outside of uh, Brunson to get a win. Um, you know, they, they're they're just gonna have to find. They're gonna have to. Uh, you're gonna have to find ways of finding dogs on this car, and there there really aren't that many. So that's why I look at Grasso as the as the potential option here uh, as uh, pulling off the upset from a game theory perspective. I definitely think it's a possibility. So uh, that that's where that's where I'm coming uh, from with uh, my take on the, the slate in general and looking at some of the underdogs. Uh, I think uh, Grasso, outside of Brunson, is the best underdog uh, to select, in my opinion. But with that being said, I still expect Valentino to win. I, I just want to be clear with that. I'm just saying from a game theory perspective and from a betting perspective, we just don't have a ton of dogs uh, to feel good about. And I do not feel good about Derek Brunson, uh, by the way. It's just a matter of trying to get some plus money options, uh, you know, and even a cheaper fighter from a DFS perspective. When you're doing roster construction, I, I just feel as though... You know, so it's got to break somewhere. Um, and like it maybe may not break where we get all the favorites winning, but I do think uh, Grasso has uh, a chance here and a better uh, better chances than most of the underdogs on his card here. And I know a lot of people don't feel that way, but uh, uh, again, I, I would put it closer to a thirty percent chance Grasso wins. And that's better than um, what were the uh, that that's a, a higher percentage from my standpoint than where the odds maker ha- has this price at because this is closer to uh, uh, like a ten percent or less chance for Grasso to win. That, that's that's where the, the line is set at, and I don't I just don't get don't agree with it. So um, next up we have the main event, the big fight. John Jones making his UFC return after over three years away, and this time at heavyweight, moving up to heavyweight from light heavyweight. Uh, Jones going in against Cyril Gan. I'm going to be perfectly blunt here. Jones is a slight favorite at minus 160. The line has been dropping. You can, uh, you may be able to get John Jones close to even money. I'm going to keep hammering the Jones line because I think Jones wins this one, and I think he wins this one faster than people expect. Cyril Gaon got dominated, and I sh- I shouldn't say dominated, but he got taken down multiple times by Francis Ngannou, who switched up his game and started wrestling. John Jones is an elite wrestler. He's going to be able to take down Cyril Gaon, in my opinion. Even with uh, Cyril Gaon being a- at heavyweight, John Jones has strained- trained his body to add on the necessary muscle the core strength has always been there. I think the raw strength of John Jones and technique, combined with the years of experience wrestling, he's just going to take down Cyril Gaon, and when he does, he's going to open him up with strikes and then try to go for a finish. It, it's not going to shock me that John Jones wins this by a finish, and he's plus 210 to finish. A lot of these John Jones fights have been going, in, uh, going to decision, so that's why the... Inside the distance prop is uh, basically even money. It's at minus 110. I 
I honestly believe if John Jones uh, does what I expect him to do, he's going to take down uh, Cyril Gunn, and I think he's going to try to put this fight away early. If he can't get Cyril Gunn down, Cyril Gunn is going to open up some of the strikes, and I think that's where he can finish John uh, uh, Jones. Uh, but to me, Bones knows the fight game way too well. He knows how to manage space. I just don't see him getting caught with strikes uh, by Gon. I, I think he's going to maintain enough space and then close the distance and then get this into uh, a clinch situation and eventually take down Gon. I I just feel very confident about John Jones winning this fight. It's just the fact that, you know, yeah, well, I have some Gon lineups in DFS, certainly. But the upside is way higher with Jones. I think he, at 8,400, he just scores over 100 with takedowns alone and control time. I think he definitely controls Fran, uh, I'm saying, uh, uh, Gon. And I don't, I just don't see where Cyril Gon is getting off his back that quickly. I I just don't see it. So to me, I think uh, it's John Jones, uh, wrestles gets uh and probably gets a finish before the third round um i i don't see this even hitting the championship rounds i think he tires out gone and then finishes them in the third by submission and we call it a night but you know could gone could gone win yeah but i'm not betting the plus 135 on gone if anything i'm betting gone to get a finish at plus 310 um as a potential offshoot bet of what I'm really going to be leaning towards is Jones just taking care of business and, and uh, getting uh, getting a win inside the distance against Gon. So that's uh, that's the way I look at the slate. So um, I'm going to wrap it up here, get this uploaded uh, for you guys. But uh, should be a, a good card. I just don't know how many dogs are going to win. Um, but my picks as underdogs would be Derek Brunson and... Um, Alexa Grasso, as crazy as it sounds, uh, betting against Valentina Shevchenko, uh, I just think from an odds perspective with the underdogs, uh, you could get uh, better chances with Grasso than with Vegas is uh, estimating for some of these other fighters. So, um, yeah, that's all I got. So, uh, enjoy the fights, everyone, and until next time, have a good one. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.